0: You know, it's been said that the curse of the church is immature Christians, but that is only partially true. If the immature Christians have been immature for years, there is a problem. Like the little boy who fell out of bed, they fell asleep too close to the place where they got in. Well, such immaturity in the church is a curse because those exhibiting such are not becoming what God intended for them to be. They may be standing in the light, but they're not walking in the light. They're going nowhere, suffering for what might be called arrested spiritual development. But if the immature Christians in the church are new to Christ, That's a different story. You know, no one other than an occasional nursery worker complains about babies in the nursery. We want them there. Something is wrong if they're not there. And we expect infants to require special attention, to need extra care. You know, they may be an inconvenience, but they're worth it. And we know that they're not going to be in the nursery forever. Someday they will outgrow the need For the nursery and the same should be true in the church on a spiritual level a church should have lots of immature christians and it will if the church is reaching new people with the gospel indeed a church is blessed if it has the right kind of immature christians because a healthy church needs lots of spiritual children but it also needs young adults and spiritual grandparents as well. They should all be found in the family. Well, John recognized this, and he realized that he was writing to Christians at three levels of spiritual maturity when he wrote his epistles. In fact, he mentions three distinct groups twice in a passage that's almost poetic in structure. We find it in 1 John chapter 2, Verses 12 through 14, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know Him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning i have written to you young men because you're strong and the word of god abides in you and you have overcome the evil one now as noted earlier he mentions each group twice the first time he introduces them with i am writing to you the second time with i have written Now, he probably did this for literary effect, but it also makes it even more obvious that he's addressing three distinct segments of the family, three different levels of maturity. Now, we should note that these different levels of maturity have nothing to do with gender. Fathers could have just as easily been referred to as mothers or even as grandparents. And young men simply refers to all who are young adults in the faith. Furthermore, these three levels really have nothing to do with chronological age. You can become a spiritual child at any age. Just because you're old in years doesn't mean you're mature in faith. So let's examine these three levels of maturity this morning and see if we can identify where we are. And John begins with little children. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. Now, John often refers to all Christians as little children. He's nearly 100 years old by now, and he thinks of all Christians as his little children. In this passage, he's thinking of those who are new to the faith when he refers to them as little children. In fact, the word he uses in verse 12 actually means born ones. He's addressing those who have been recently born. And indeed, all Christians begin their spiritual life by being born again. Jesus made that clear when talking to Nicodemus, when he said that unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's not enough to join a church like you would join a civic club. You must be born again. That means you must die and be buried. And a new you must come forth to begin a new life in Christ, and that new birth is made possible by the forgiveness of sin. A characteristic of a little child in the faith, therefore, should be a relatively new sense of forgiveness and excitement about the newly discovered freedom to come before God without guilt and shame, to come fully accepted as a child of God. And as a child, we do come to God as our heavenly father. He's he's no longer just God. He's father, or as Jesus called him, daddy. There's an intimacy in our relationship with God that the world doesn't understand. You know, I'm hopeful that the majority in our society still believes in God, but I really don't believe that they know him as father like we do. And knowing God as our Father is a beautiful thing. We should never lose sight of the fact that we are children of God, that we have been born again, that our sins have been forgiven, and that God is our Heavenly Father. And it is essential that we maintain that childlike trust and and faith in God. But there are also some characteristics of childlikeness that we should outgrow. You know, we're not supposed to remain as spiritual children forever. We're supposed to go on to adulthood, to maturity in the faith. The writer of Hebrews expressed frustration over some who hadn't grown up spiritually. And when trying to teach them about the priesthood of Jesus, he said, concerning him, we have much to say and It is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. As spiritual babies, they still had a difficult time discerning between good and evil. They had a tough time making spiritual choices. Now, it is true that sometimes those choices are difficult. But the more we grapple with those issues, the better equipped we become to handle the tough questions of life. The spiritual baby doesn't even want to think about such things. They don't even want to to, to grapple with the word. They only want the milk of the word. They want some simple truths and obvious promises that they can write on a little card and stick on their fridge. They don't want to have a serious thought about the deeper implications of God's Word. And they still need someone to spoon feed them on elementary principles, things they should have already digested. They've never grown to the place where they can teach someone else, where they can feed someone else spiritually. They've never become teachers, even in their own homes. Obviously, if everyone in the church remains spiritually children, the church would be in trouble. And if you've remained a spiritual infant longer than necessary, something is wrong. You may indeed be suffering from a case of arrested spiritual development. Let's go on. John next addresses the other end of the spiritual spectrum, the fathers. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. Now again, the fathers are not just the spiritually mature males in the church. The fathers are those who really know and understand God, be they male or female. In fact, they're quite often spiritual grandparents those who have generations of spiritual offspring and are therefore highly respected for their relationship with God. John addressed them as those who know him who has been from the beginning, who understand the eternal nature of God and have therefore acknowledged him as their creator. And they no doubt did so from the beginning of their relationship with him. So they've known God for a long time. And like Abraham, they have become friends of God. They've spent so much time with him, they've become like him. They think like him. They talk like him. They act like him. And they do so with very little conscious effort on their part. They don't try to sound religious. They just speak as God would speak and act as God would speak. And as a result, they're recognized as the saints of God. Now, it's true that we are all called to be saints. We have all been set apart. That's what it means to be set apart. That's what a saint is, someone who's set apart. We've been set apart from the world due to our relationship with God. But to be honest, some are more readily recognized as such. They are the fathers, the spiritually mature ones. And this is the goal toward which all of us should be moving. But most of us aren't there yet. We are what John refers to as young men. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, young men, because you're strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. The young men are those who are strong in the faith, who are fighting the spiritual battles, and who are winning most of the time. They are the ones who have overcome the evil one. Now that doesn't mean the war is over for them. It just means that they've grown wise to the battle plan and are effectively able to deal with the devil. They're no longer gullible to his ways. They recognize the nature of the spiritual battle we're fighting in life and know how to use the armor of God. They understand. What Paul said in Ephesians 6, and they have heeded his advice. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything, to stand firm. The young men and women of faith are not yet fully mature, but they are definitely spiritual. They understand the spiritual nature of life and are effectively facing the challenges of life. And the secret of their strength is the fact that they have the Word of God abiding in them. They feed on the word regularly. They study it. They listen attentively when it's taught. They grapple with the deep issues that it plums. They apply it to the situations they're facing in life. They may not yet be seasoned veterans, but they have the right equipment and are learning how to use it. That is where the majority should be. And that's where the majority will be in a healthy church. You know, not many of us can yet be considered fathers. But unless we are relatively new to the faith, we should be young men and women in the faith. We should be strong in the Lord. His word should be abiding in us. And we should know the taste of victory over the evil one. So where are you? Where are you? If you're new to Christ, be content. To remain a child for a season, allow us to feed you and care for you and nurture your newly found relationship with the Heavenly Father. But as soon as you can progress from milk to bread to meat, do it. Don't be afraid to try out your spiritual teeth. Don't be afraid to dig a little deeper. Don't be afraid to wrestle with things you don't understand. Don't just blow off passages of Scripture because you go, "I, I don't get it. Latch on to it. Study it. And if, if you're a young adult in the faith, keep your sight on the goal of becoming even more, of becoming a father, becoming a grandfather in the faith, becoming one who knows God so intimately that he has become like him and one that is immediately recognizable as a saint of God wherever he is. And under all circumstances. Now that, that is tough. You know, we all fight those little battles that kind of mess us up. And we disappoint ourselves and disappoint God as well. We need to pray for forgiveness. We need to pray for courage to acknowledge our failures and refocus on becoming more than we already are in our relationship with God. We should never be content. We should never, never think we've arrived. That's when we fall. We see that happening all the time. Stay focused on becoming more than you are in your relationship with God. Get to the place where you hope that people see Christ when they see you. They understand God when they understand you. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. You know, sometimes we, we look around us and, and we see large churches and we think, well, we're just a little church. But, you know, a little church can do great things. If the family that is a part of that church that is that church is growing and maturing and becoming Christ-like and becoming grandparents of the faith and sharing their faith with others. Whether they come to our church or not is irrelevant. What's important is that they come to know Christ, and that they see him at work in your life. That's our job. Our job is not to make the attendance board look great. Our job is to make Jesus look great. Let's commit ourselves to doing that. Let's go on to adulthood and to parenthood and grandparenthood in the faith. That's where Paul wants us to be. That's where Jesus wants to be. And I think that's where you want to be as well. Yeah, you've been made part of the family of God. And the Heavenly Father expects you to grow spiritually within that family So obviously if you're not growing you need to examine it examine your life and if you've not been born again if you've simply been attending church or maybe even joined a church but you've not really been born again you need to reexamine where you are You need to be willing to die to the old self Bury your desires. Rise to walk in a newness of life, empowered by the spirit that indwells you now, so you can become all that God wants you to be. And if you will be born again into a family, God will bless you, you'll bless the family, and people around you will see who you are. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm part of the family of God. It's not our place to judge each other and where they are, but it is our job to examine ourselves and say, where am I? I'm in the family of God. Let's celebrate that this morning.